Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the return of Half Street High Heat. I am your host, Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at the Coach Moose. I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan at We Are All Shack. Be sure to give him a follow, and of course, follow the show at Half Street High Heat on Twitter. It's been a while, but we are back. We had to, you know, press a little reset. Uh, you know, <laughs> plenty of uh, things going on with the Nats that. You know, it causes one to reevaluate their their fandom, but we're still here. We're still kicking. We're still recording. Ryan, how you doing? Yeah, it's it's been a while. You know, I think last time last time we recorded, Amanda and I did a playoff preview. Um, I want to say that my World Series matchup was correct. I think we. I think I said Astros. I think I can't remember who she said. She mixed it up, but. I mean, we she was definitely wrong. I didn't, I didn't hear. <laughs> I wasn't there, but she was definitely wrong. <laughs> but yeah, doing it, doing well. Um, off season's in full swing, and it's before Christmas, and we've actually had a lot of people sign, which is something we haven't been able to say in quite some time. So it's been, it's actually been a fun off season. Yeah, honestly, like that's the place where obviously that's going to be the majority of what we talk about today. But that's also the place I wanted to start because it feels like basically every off season we've done this show, it's been like, holy hell, when is everyone going to sign? And there's still big names out there, but you know, the, the judge and the DeGrom and, and the Trey Turner and like all the top free agents of the world, they signed rather quickly. It, and it was typically around the winter meetings uh, point in the off season. So like early December and, you know, that's what it used to be. And then, you know, it was just kind of a power struggle there for several years, but it's good to see not only people are signing, but people are getting good contracts as well. Um, 
And then there's the Nats, <laughs> you know, not signing any top free agents, but they have been active. Um, what are your thoughts on just like the Nats, not just free agency, but the Nats as a whole, like right now versus how you might have felt in August or last April or whatever? Honestly, better. Yeah. Like my my complaint last year is I felt like they just didn't have a plan. Like they, I just felt like they had no idea what they're doing. Their off-season moves didn't make sense. Some of the stuff they're doing with coaching didn't really make sense. We'll talk about some approach stuff, but I like this off-season so far. You know, they've made some pretty good hires with some good positions in player development. It's a start. They still have work to do, but the fact that they're even expanding and adding new types of positions is huge. I've liked that a lot. We'll talk about ownership in a little bit, but. I also like the moves they made. You know, they've actually made sense. Trevor Williams, very familiar with this division, was rather good with the Mets last year. He went between um, bullpen rotation a lot. He was pitching a lot of high leverage innings. He was in the pennant race. ERA in the threes, pretty good. Nats will make 30 starts, just throw them every fifth day, eat some innings. I like that a lot. You also look at offensive moves, Stone Garrett, under 30 years old. Don't know the last time they signed the position free agent that was <laughs> under 30 years old. Um, about 13 years younger than Nelson Cruz. He's good. You know, he had 30 home runs in AAA. He has the track record of his bat playing in the minors. Will that transfer to the majors? I don't know. But that's the beauty of it because he's not 45 years old. He's under 30. So that's actually a good signing and exciting to see. Uh, Yimer Candelario. Also love this signing. It is never a bad idea to take a flyer on former Tigers. Like that ballpark just kills all offensive hope. Their coaching also sucks. So it's never a bad idea to take a flyer on former Tigers. You look at him 2020, 2021, led the league in doubles, was abysmal in 22. So the thought there is that they can maybe get him to bounce back. If they do, that's great. It's a win. If they don't, who cares? It's a one-year deal. He's also under the age of 30, which makes me excited. Yeah, I mean, they've been active. And none of these moves, you know, as a standalone move or, or, you know, by themselves, move the needle all that much. But it's the type of strategy we wanted the Nationals to employ for several years now. And the past two off-seasons in particular, uh, obviously with the benefit of hindsight, I would imagine the ownership – um questions because at that point the the learners hadn't decided they were going to sell yet and who knows they still might not but they didn't want to put more money in to something they didn't think they were going to continue with i guess that's certainly how it you know we interpreted it as fans with the lack of moves made in the past couple off seasons and like i said none of these moves move the needle but we've gotten four of them at this point in the past two weeks or so and all of them you're like okay you know i can see what they're trying to do whereas last year for instance they signed nelson cruz which which was fine like obviously it did not turn out well but it was a one-year deal it, it was fine but then they stopped they didn't do anything else and i've obviously they didn't even trade cruz so they got nothing for him they traded juan soto instead of nelson cruz like that was not the plan Whereas this year, they're actually getting some guys, like you said, that are flyers that could 
net a, a good return for you in an attempt to you know find pieces for the future because we still know 2023 is not going to result in a huge playoff birth run whatever but we still have the potential at least to be pleasantly surprised with this team and that's obviously what we all hope for as fans but you know starting off with Condelario you you hit the nail on the head like take flyers on tigers especially if they're one they've shown that they can do it in the past and two coming off a down year like Candelario is going to be better I mean he was terrible last year like don't get me wrong but he's it's going the Castellanos to be better. principle exactly Castellanos for for those that that might not know Nick Castellanos used to play for the Tigers obviously he's with the Phillies now and you know had several great seasons and in, in Cincinnati as well um he you know didn't mince words when he was talking about that ballpark in particular not necessarily the tigers but that ballpark it just kills hitters numbers it is not a hitter friendly ballpark so you know you almost um i'm like it's been a while i'm a little rusty what's the stat that ballpark adjusted hitting uh wrc plus thank you thank you i was like holy hell it's been a minute i I forgot what i'm talking about (laughs) but like that's why that kind of statistic is so important because ballparks do matter then you look at something you know like yankee stadium with a short porch or you know wherever pick pick your ballpark and you know it needs to be adjusted to you know weight everything evenly but you know condelario i i love the signing it first of all no such thing as a, a bad year deal but you know he's he's proven it before over 2020 and 2021 he was like one of the better offensive third baseman in, in baseball like not just in the al not just in the al central but like in baseball and he had a terrible 2022. Well, great. That draw it down his value. We got him for like a one year, $5 million deal. Boom. Stone Garrett hasn't proven it at the major league level, but as Ryan said, 30 home runs. And I believe it was like 108 games in the minor leagues. Uh, I wrote an article on district on deck about it. Um, I'll have to go back and look, but you know, he has some pop uh, in his bat as well. And it's not like we have, an outfield that is currently set in stone anyway. So he has a legitimate shot to contribute. Um, Trevor Williams. I mean, <laughs> I don't need to go too in depth about the pitching staff and how, how bad it was, but it was of note because it was the first multi-year deal. The nationals have given out since the 20 or the off season following the 2019 season when they signed Will Harris to a three-year deal. So I don't know if the Will Harris deal just like, <laughs> made them swear off multi-year deals until shook that deal was done. Yeah, it just shook them to their core. But we finally get a multi-year contract, which obviously all of these players are looking for stability. So, you know, not that the Nats were being super aggressive in free agency, but it certainly hindered us from signing some guys because guys are valuing uh, stability in longer-term deals more and more, as we've seen during this free agency. They'll cut down on the AAV if they get more years tacked on at the end. Um and then today, actually, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, they re-signed Arasimo Ramirez, which again, not a needle mover, but I think it's kind of under the radar how good Ramirez was for the Nats last year. Two nine two ERA and like eighty six in the third innings, <laughs> and it's funny in, in like a very sad way. But he was the Nats pitcher of the year last year, as voted on by the local media. And I mean, but he was he was deserving. Like he he was good last year too, and they got him for a one year deal with incentives that can reach up to 2 million. So just call it a one year, $2 million deal. That's nothing. That's nothing. So, you know, Mike Rizzo and company, we've given them plenty uh, of grief and honestly, rightfully so, 
but they're they're working with what they've got right now. Um, Rizzo had a comment in the past week or so. I, I can't remember the exact words he used. Uh, Ryan, you might be able to fill in. Basically, the budget is nothing. <laughs> um, so Rizzo's doing. Yeah, what- he's. <laughs> It's a little, it's a little tight budget for him. Yeah, I can't remember the word he used, but it was a very like politically, uh, you know, eloquent word he used for how little the budget is that he was allotted uh, in this offseason. But regardless, I mean, we've gotten four moves that actually might contribute uh, to the big league club, and last year we got one in Nelson Cruz, and it didn't work. Uh, And you know, I guess you could consider Sean Doolittle, but he got hurt. So, you know, it is what it is. Plus they signed him to a minor league deal. Regardless, that long-winded way of saying, you know, it's, it's been a pre- like pleasantly surprising, decent offseason. I don't want it to stop. They still need more power in the lineup and they could use everything, <laughs> but it, it's been pleasantly surprising. So I'm with Ryan. Uh, I'm feeling better about the Nats. And obviously we haven't even talked about the young guys who in – theory will improve this next season with you know a newfound approach to analytics and and player development you know one can only hope but certainly feeling better uh you know we know they're at least trying which who knows but obviously sale or the pending sale of the franchise still looms large do you yeah. think it's going to be Leonsis? Do you think it's going to happen at all? Like, w- what's your gut take on this? <clears throat> so, during the winter meetings, Rob Manfred, hey, I got that right. Last time I said Goodell, used to football. Um, Rob Manfred said there was no update on the sale. And then I think it was the Washington Post or it was NBC Sports. It, it doesn't matter. They were talking about how the status of the sale is kind of at a standstill because of the uncertainty around Masson. Like the Nats are still getting some money from Masson, but they're not getting the full money that they're supposed to be getting. And that is kind of impacting what the learners want. Boo-hoo, there were $6 billion. I don't care how much the learners get. Um, so things are weird right now. But yeah, it's, it's kind of obvious also because Leonis went all in on Monumental. And then there was a, he got in another investor somewhere. So he's doing a lot of moves just to bring in more cash flow to him. Why would a billionaire who owns a couple sports teams want more cash flow? When Because they're about to buy another team. It's Leonis or Bus. The sale is going to take a little bit longer than I think the learners and everyone involved wanted. But I think Ted Leonis is going to be the owner of the Nats. And you guys can think of that as you want. I think the Wizard fans won't be too happy about that one. But yeah, I think I think it's going to be Leonis and the Nats are kind of in this awkward spot, especially for Rizzo, because the learners clearly do not want to spend any more money involved with this team. I think they kind of gave up after they won the World Series. So the Nats are kind of just in the standstill mode, just waiting for the sale to happen. And I don't think we should really expect to see much spending until pen meets paper and that new owner comes in do you think it happens before the season or like in uh, ownership sale can take place during the season right there's no like precedent no, yeah, against can, that right no it can it can happen whenever it's just i know Literally. a lot of teams they wanted it at the owners meeting because they're all together for the vote yeah yeah I'd, it makes it easy i'd hope 
I'd hope before. The When's the owners service. meeting? February. No, nah, it already happened. It's before the winter. winter meeting. Oh, it's before so the we, winter. Yeah, we we yeah. we passed that. Yeah. So. Oh, that, yeah. That's why they want it in November. Hopefully, you know, mid January we start hearing some stuff because I feel like it's bound to go quiet for everyone because all the holidays are approaching. Right. So hopefully, mid January we get some update on some type of clarity, but. I feel like mid season, maybe early off season, probably will. Yeah. So it gets official. Yeah, probably. And we'll dive into this as we talk into, you know, the whole free agency picture. But man, it would kill to have a owner like Cohen who literally has no regard <laughs> for uh, any arbitrary salary cap or threshold or whatever and just spending whatever you want to get guys to compete but i think i know where you stand on leonsis and i think you know depending on if you're like a diehard wizards fan or a diehard capitals fan you're you probably have two different views on him um but to me like i'm okay with it one because he clearly he wants to win whether he's good at it you know or like good at putting a team together is left to be seen like you know the jury's still out on that, but he at least wants to win and he's willing to spend money. You're not going to get an owner. Like who's the pirates uh, owner, like Nutter. Is that his name? Like just won't spend. Is it any- Bob Nutley? Yeah. Bob Nutter, Bob Nutley, something like that. But like someone who won't spend any money ever or like the reds owner who came, who was caught. I don't know if it was a hot mic or not team. A, Bob like, Nutting. There we go. Sorry. Bob Nutting. There you go. Um, or like the Reds owner who I think it was a legitimate interview. He was basically like, why would I spend money on this team if fans don't show up or something like something along those lines, like the owner of the team, like Leonsis at least wants to win and, you know, interpret that as you may take that as you may, but it, we could do worse is basically what I'm saying. Plus with NBC sports, Washington, you know, in his pocket, you would think the mass and, deal would finally get resolved after you know 17 years or whatever um you would think they would make the the jump to nbc sports washington we could finally have a little bit more accessibility in theory who knows at least better coverage than what masson can provide and plus you know shout out best friend of the show matt wyrick (laughs) promoted not covering the nats anymore good for matt um but I, i think you could you could definitely do worse so if it's Leonsis or Buzz, like I will fully be Team Leonsis because the learners, yeah, they're they're checked out. It's not like they never cared about this team, but like they're certainly hindering what the team can do right now. And you know, it's a problem. It's prolonging a rebuild. Like we're counting on eighteen-year-old players to pan out, but they're not going to hit the big leagues for six years. Like, do we want six years of nothingness because the learners are? indecisive or you know checked out or whatever no like give me leontis and we'll go from there and then i'll I'll complain about leontis down the line but for now i'll I'll be team leontis if that's truly what it comes down to but the nats did get some other luck in other news uh the first ever draft lottery was held uh i think a week ago at this point time's flying i have no concept of time um yeah exactly it's a construct um First ever MLB draft lottery. The Nats had the best, well, tied for the best odds. Obviously, the Nats were the worst team in baseball last year. But with the new draft lottery, teams one, two, and three, which were the Nats, the Pirates, and the A's, 
all had 16.5% chance at reaching or obtaining the number one pick. Lottery was held. There was obviously different rules and stipulations. Nats could only fall so far and so on and so forth. Pirates got the first pick, which is slightly annoying, but Nats ended up with the second pick, which is you know still good and still great prospects to be having big names out there. Uh, at least we are not the A's who fell all the way to the sixth. Oh pick, my God, they got screwed. Which is a real kicker because with the new draft lottery, it comes with a stipulation that you cannot draft within the lottery two years in a row. And the Depending lottery is on your market size. Right. Um, but all those teams w- would fall in there, or the Nats specifically would fall in there. <laughs> so the lottery's picks one through six. So the A's got hosed hosed um so thankfully the Nats don't find themselves in that situation still picking second you know there's going to be tons of uh dialogue and discourse and mock drafts and whatnot over who they should take right now in what are we in December before the college season is played again or the 2023 college season is played again because remember the draft is until June Dylan Cruz out of LSU he's a you know big time power bat I believe he's third base outfield if I'm not mistaken maybe just outfield uh He's kind of the consensus number one, especially for position players. But Chase Dollander out of Tennessee, SEC pitcher of the year, he's by far and away the top arm available, getting comps to not necessarily comps, but people are saying he's the best pitching prospect in the draft since Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg. So certainly good company to have your name associated with. That would certainly be my pick if, you know, I had to, create a wish list for who the Nats would draft. Um, but if they end up with one of Cruz or Dollander, which in theory they should because they have the second pick, then, you know, we're doing just fine. Um, thoughts on the draft lottery and obviously how things shook out. Yeah. Draft lottery was kind of scary. Like I know yeah. the Nats get hose. <laughs> yeah. But then I was looking back on it. I was like, well, I guess it could have been pretty obvious where the Nats were going to be because there was only two GMs at the draft. It was the Pirates and the Nats. So I was like, well, that's kind of looking back on it. That was kind of a giveaway where the Nats would be. But what a year to get a top two pick. It stinks because the Nats probably – they can't be higher than seven next year. But we're far out. A lot can happen these six months. But this draft is 1A, 1B. 100%. Both of these guys up there, Dylan Cruz and Chase Dollander, like you were mentioning, both have a shot going – first overall. So I'm pretty excited, you know, like whatever the pirates do and the pirates do have a history of going on their slot. Right. I don't think they pass either of these people up, but they have a history of going under slot. So then basically they do you're picking between two number one picks. If they don't, your choice comes to you. Either way, it's a win for the Nats. So the first round it's chalk. You got your very obvious picks. They got to nail the rest of the draft especially concerned they won't have a pick this high next year. This farm needs an influx of talent. So it's a pretty important draft. Um, They need to spend a lot of time scouting on people that are projected in the second round and lower because unless bearing injury or some crazy resurgence by someone that's not expected, the number one and number two picks are very, very obvious. Six months out. Oh, no, no, sorry. They moved it to August, July. Seven July, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, July. They moved it to July, seven months out. And I'm excited because they get Dylan Cruz. That outfield future for the Nats is gorgeous. They get Chase Dollander. 
that's a fantastic arm in that system. He'll probably be the Nats' number one pitching prospect. 100%. When he comes in, um, you talked about it. People say he's the best college pitcher since Strauss. Maybe Garrett Cole. Pretty, pretty exciting time. Yeah, and this is not the year to go under slot. And the Pirates might have the same approach. They had the number one pick two years ago, I believe. Uh, when all the young high school shortstops were all the buzz, they went with Henry Davis, the catcher out of Louisville instead, because they like going under slot. And for those that don't know what under slot means, every pick has their assigned um, financial value. Uh, let's just say, I don't know the, the numbers, but let's say the number one pick is slated for $6 million. And Henry Davis, for example, was projected to go like seventh or whatever, call it $3 million. So uh, Henry Davis gets a bump from 3 to $4 million. And the Pirates, rather than spending $6 million on the number one slot, would pay him $4 million and would save $2 million to use later on. That's effectively how the underslot strategy works. Um, the one downside is, is, in theory, you're not getting the best prospect available, which is always, in my mind, what you should do, <laughs> especially if it's a position of need. Um, but this is certainly not the year to go underslot. It is worth noting that uh, rounds two through the end of the draft, the Nats will be picking number one in those uh, subsequent rounds because the lottery only applies to the first round. And then after that, it just goes by record. So, um, you know, as Ryan said, they will have to do plenty of research in the later rounds because they can get their quote unquote pick of the litter later on. Um, but I hope it doesn't come at the expense of going under slot in this draft of all drafts. Like, Cruz or Dollander, like you, you got to take one of them. So it'll be interesting to see and monitor as the, um, you know, months goes on and in the college baseball season uh, progresses. And Monty, obviously, the work he does with hash rate high in general, but specifically college baseball, you'll want to be sure to follow him on Twitter at, I think it's still Monty2740. And then obviously, you follow his work on the website at halfstreethighheat.com. All right, quick break, going to get a word from our sponsors, and when we come back, we will talk free agency. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, let's dive into free agency. Kind of just do a, a short, rapid fire. If obviously, if we want to talk, you know, a little bit more in depth about any of these uh, landing spots or the deals these players got, we can do so. But we'll just start at the top. The I guess the prize of the free agency class, depending on, you know, what your need is Aaron judge returns to the Bronx, the Yankees. <laughs> I mean, almost had a panic attack, John Heyman. I don't understand how he still has a job with the whole arson judge to the giants fiasco, but he returns to the Bronx. He gets, what was it? Nine years, $360 million deal from the Yankees. <laughs> so 40 million a year, pretty solid uh, reaction grade for Aaron judge to the Yankees. A theme that we are seeing this off season is long, long 
years. All the top free agents are getting paid until they're 40. It's very obvious why teams are doing it in the leagues. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But the players love it because the players are getting the dollar amount they've always wanted. I give it an A for Aaron Judge. 11 more season. Obviously was not leaving the Yankees. His agent played it very well. Breaks uh, Mike Trout's AAV record and gets absolutely freaking paid his one deal. You're the captain of the Yankees, bud. You're making almost $400 million. They'll probably retire his number when he retires because that's how the Yankees are. I give that a good A for both sides. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you can give it any other grade besides an A. Like the Yankees had to retain him. He was coming off a historic year, obviously MVP. He bet on himself, turned down. I think it was like a $300 million deal for, you know, it, it was anyways, he bet on himself. It paid off in the best way possible. It was probably the best bet on yourself possible uh, like that we've ever seen. Um, so yeah, I definitely give it an A, but also just smart of him, like not even comparing Yankees and Giants, but to our conversation earlier about you know the Tigers ballpark, the Giants ballpark is not hitter friendly either. Judge would not put up anywhere close to the numbers he hit. His in swing Yankee is stadium built for that short porch, yeah, 100%. Like, play to your strengths, and obviously, the Yankees, as currently constructed, are a better team than the Giants. But like, you know, it was just there were so many reasons to hold out for the Yankees. And like you said, his agent played it beautifully. Um, so A for the I guess A plus whatever for the Yankees and Aaron Judge. All right. The second one on the list is one that just uh, happened a couple of days ago. Carlos Correa, the Giants swung and missed on Aaron Judge. They swung and missed on a couple others, but they nab Carlos Correa for a 13-year deal, $350 million. They get, yeah, their new face of the franchise. There's not really anyone over there that, you know, holds that status, but they get their face of the franchise, obviously a long-term deal. They missed out on Bryce Harper a couple of years ago. They've been trying and looking and searching for that guy. It seems like Correa will be that guy now. And listen, feel how about you, however you want about Carlos Correa. He is very good. Very good. Maybe not like top three MVP perennially, but he's still very good and was probably arguably the best shortstop on the market. But thoughts on Correa to San Fran. Yeah, what what a life for the Giants. You swing and miss on Aaron Judge and you land getting the best shortstop in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> sucks sucks for them. Um, I love the contract. I give it an A to both sides. Going 13 years, lowers the AAV and the tax. So the Giants can keep adding people, but Carlos Correa wanted to beat Lindor's record. He was very, very clear that he wanted to beat Lindor's $341 million shortstop record. He does. He got 350. Um, I give this a big fat A for both sides. The deal is fantastic for Carlos Correa. And I also think even though it's 350 million, people are gonna be like, man, 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 it's a good deal for Giants as well. Yeah, and I saw a tweet today. I should have, you know, wrote down the handle so I could give credit, but that Freddie Freeman deal looks better and better by the day. I'm like, holy crap, Freddie Freeman signed for nothing. Uh, but hey, the Braves' pain is uh, our gain, I guess, even though the Braves are a lot better than we are. Um, yeah, A for the Giants, A for Carlos Correa. He was another one. He took, it was a three-year deal, but it opted out after one. Uh, it was good on the Twins for, like, 
you know, shooting their shot last year and they, they made a, a valiant attempt attempt to resign him, but like it wasn't, I can't remember what their offer was. It was like 10 years, 260 million or something like that. It was never going to get the, the, the deal done. Um, but good on the giants for like continually trying to land a big prize and free agency. And they, they finally got rewarded. So a to both sides. All right. One that I think most people saw coming and it might hurt some Nats fans, but Trey Turner, uh, he joins the city of brotherly love, joining Bryce Harper, joining Kyle Schwarber, joining Castellanos and Schwarber and Nola and Wheeler and Real Muto and all the, the pieces they have up in Philly. 11 years, 300 million. Trey Turner back on the East Coast, back in the NL East. All your thoughts on Trey Turner joining Philly? Yeah, left a lot of money on the table from the Padres to get that deal. I guess all the East Coast stuff was true. Um, and it was kind of obvious. Wife is from Southern Jersey, best friends with Bryce Harper. Kevin Long, who we very much like working with, is there. Wanted to be back on the East Coast. Family lives in the East Coast. It makes sense. That one was very obvious. Great deal for Trey. Very glad I got 300 mil. 11 years, I feel like it was a lot for him. Uh, I was in the camp that his speed is going to deteriorate and that is going to make it a bad contract. But over the last couple of years, the boy can ball. Like he is just a straight up pure hitter. And that bat is going to stay effective even when his speed starts to go. So I'll give the deal an A for Trey Turner. Can't blame the guy for taking 300 mil, even if someone off you 340. I give it a B on the Philly side though. Yeah, I think that's fair. Although the Phillies are rolling out D.D. Gregorius as their shortstop for like the past seven years. Um, so I can certainly see why I, they, they had to be want, done. Yeah, they wanted to do anything possible to upgrade that position, such a premier position. Um, so I, I can't knock them, but I agree. Like Trey Turner got the better side of the deal, but I think it's going to be fine for both sides. Um, good for Trey. He knew, he, knews, he knew what he wanted. Uh, he it was always rumored he wanted to be on the East Coast. He was not happy when the Nats traded him. Um, he had, you know, not anything like super disparaging to say about the club, but he was certainly puzzled when they decided to trade Juan Soto, uh, as you know, I think plenty of people were. But obviously, Trey being a part of 2019 and you know, with the organization for so many years, it was you know he felt a little spurned by by the organization. So I, I'm sure that you know, to be frank had some part in him signing with Philly, but I, I do think the primary reasons were, you know, what we've talked about, the ability to work with Kevin Long again, who, you know, helped him generate so much success offensively, Bryce Harper being his best friend, his wife being from the area, you know, so many things led to it. And that's why we could all see it coming, even though it sucks, like, you know, it, it is what it is. And only two and a half years or so until uh, Juan Soto joins the Mets, which will hurt even more. Um, all right, number four, speaking of teams that continually struck out and then just kept swinging until something happened, until they made contact, uh, the Padres signed Xander Bogarts to a long deal. It was 11 years again. Uh, you're sensing a theme here. 11 years, $280 million. Uh, They went after Trey Turner hard. I They were about to go for Judge, but I think they were kind of a little too late there. Um I think they were after one other guy that I, I can't remember, but they land Bogarts. 
you would think that means Tatis is moving to the outfield. Left field. Yeah, so left field because obviously they have Soto. Or right. or right field because Tatis has an absolute cannon of an arm. Yeah, and Soto. Either way, he's going to the outfield. Yeah, he's going to one of the corners. And, you know, Soto has experience in left field as well, so he doesn't necessarily have to stick in right. Um, but certainly a, uh impressive lineup, especially of young talent out there in San Diego. Um, hey, credit to them for spending. I don't know if that was the answer, but, you know, time will tell. Thoughts on Xander Bogart's deal with San Diego? Yeah, so they were the – I love the Padres. Padres are a small market team. Yep, spend agreed. like a big market team. They also have one of the least profitable TV deals in the league because the Padres have a lot of viewers that live in Mexico, but MLB will not let them get money from it. So they spend. I love it. Absolutely respect them. They were going to at, give Judge 400 for 12, but Major League Baseball said they would have blocked it because that would have been a blatant trying to lower the CBT. There's a theme. All these contracts are trying to lower the CBT because the teams realize player salaries are going up. They add a couple more years. CBT goes down. They can keep spending. But it's good for the players, so I'm not going to complain about it. I love the deal for, for Xander. I I didn't think he was going to get this much money. I don't like it as much for the Padres, but I respect it because the Padres want to win now. Who the hell cares how Xander's doing in seven years? He's probably not going to be playing shortstop in seven years. His defense isn't very good there to begin with. Good news for them, they have Kim, who's a unreal defensive stud that they can put at shortstop. And also, Tatis, Soto, Machado, Xander, Cronenworth, Kim, Nola. That is stupid. On paper, they have a better team than Dodgers right now. So I respect the hell of the contract. I give it an A for Xander, a C for the Padres. Yeah, I agree uh, on, on all fronts. Uh, like I said, I don't know if it was the answer or let's say like it's it wasn't necessarily the solution for the Padres to like put them over the Dodgers or put them you know at the top of the NL or anything like that. But it was an answer. Right. They needed to get someone. They tried to go for judge. They, you know, tried to go for everyone. And sidebar, well, not really sidebar, it's something you said. You know, good on AJ Preller or anyone trying to lower the CBT. <laughs> like, uh, you know, salary cap gymnastics. All right, it's not a cap, but, you know, any of these gymnastics to, you know, try to facilitate spending. Good. Spend that money, <laughs> especially if you're a small market team. Like, I respect that. And, you know, MLB is dumb for many reasons, but um, yeah, good for Xander. Uh, it seemed like from the outside looking in, the negotiations with Boston were not going well. They hadn't been going well for some time. They were a hundred million off. Yeah. So rather than trying to hold out hope for, you know, having some sense of loyalty and not that Xander's not loyal, but like rather than valuing loyalty or like trying to be loyal, I should say to a team that's not loyal to you go get that bag in a, you know, what seemed like a fun place to play with a great young team. He's going to fit right in. Like there, you know, he's probably gonna have a great year. And also who knows what's up. If his defense sucks and they need to move him, 
They have six people on their roster who played shortstop. <laughs> I, I was just about to say, like, the ability to maneuver guys around the field. Like, Cronenworth himself plays, like, six or seven different positions. No other catcher played shortstop. Yeah, Kim can play up the middle. You know, Soto can play either of the corners. Uh, Tatis could probably even play all outfield positions with his athleticism, and obviously he can play short. Um, Bogarts can play short and probably could play third. Obviously, you have Manny Machado there, so you don't need it. Machado could play short. Like, you know, th- that team's versatility is – and obviously their offensive prowess – oh, God, I almost knocked over my laptop – is, you know, crazy. Like, you, you just don't see much of that in, in today's MLB. So, good for them spending. And like the Giants, they finally land you know, one of the guys they were pursuing. That's after, obviously – a deadline where they traded for Juan Soto and Josh Hader and Josh Bell. Obviously Josh Bell left, but good on the Padres. I hope it pays off. Um, We'll see. They still need some pitching, starting pitching in my opinion. Um, All right. Let's see. Dansby Swanson has not signed yet, but he is kind of the last shortstop remaining. Uh, Carlos Rodon has not signed yet, but he's probably the best free agent pitcher uh, remaining. Jacob deGrom though. Finally, not in the NL East anymore. Granted, every NL East pitcher, every pitcher just tears up the Nats, but we don't have to worry about DeGrom tearing up the Nats anymore as he signed a five-year, $185 million deal with Texas. Texas, off the heels of spending a you know a half billion dollars last year, more than half billion dollars last year on Seager and Semyon and, and other guys, they come back, they get DeGrom, they get the ace of their staff, and that's after they're bringing back Martin Perez, who had a great year last year. They still have John Gray. I'm not saying they're going to be playoff bound. You know, there's still some things to be done down there in Texas, but hey, good for them, right? Good for them. Good for them. I love what the Rangers are building. Um, they got that beautiful ballpark. They need. They made some splashes last year. They need to start building on offense. As a doozy of a contract. Um, there's a lot of like weird things in there about getting like independent medical reviews on him for like options and stuff. It's a doozy. It's risky because DeGrom has battled a lot of injuries the last couple of years. But man, when that man's healthy, there ain't no one better. Love what they're building. Rangers can probably flirt with 85 wins this year. Great for them. I like it, you know, great for DeGrom. Pitching always pays. Five years, it's a little risky. That makes me bring down the grade on the Rangers side, but they need to get pitching. DeGrom did not like New York. There was a lot of Cohen hit pieces that came out after him when he left. That was absolutely fantastic to read. I had a great time. Thank you, Steve Cohen, for that. It was very enjoyable. But I give it, again, A for DeGrom because how much money that man got, good for him. I give it a C minus on the Rangers side though, because of the risk, but I do love what the Rangers are doing. Yeah. Like speaking of themes, like the Rangers, the giants, the Padres, even slightly the Phillies, although I'm not going to give the Phillies too much of a pass since they've done this several times, including last year. Um, But good on them for just taking the chance, not worrying, you know, overly worrying about the risk, the injury history, the, the length or, you know, the AAV or anything like that. They're, they're, they're just going for it. And I, I love that. That's what baseball needed. That's what we've been, you know, begging for, for teams for the past few years. Like there's a time where, you know, 18 of the teams in baseball were just like actively not trying. 
And now you're seeing the Padres, the Giants, the, the Rangers, the, you know, the Guardians even are shelling out, you know, $16 million AAV contracts. Like, it, it's a good time to, to be a free agent in baseball right now, which is good, like, because you couldn't always say that, especially recently. Um, I'll give it an A for DeGrom, both length and money. And yeah, B minus for the Rangers, because when DeGrom's healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball and no disrespect to Alcantara or anyone else. Like DeGrom is just stupid. How well he aged remains to be seen, but man, the the potential is just like, yeah, write a blank check. Who cares? Um, On the flip side, Mets lost DeGrom, but they didn't sit around too long. We can just kind of lump all of these Mets deals uh, together. And we mentioned Cohen off the top, just simply does not care about what the threshold is. Um, Justin Verlander basically got the uh, Max Scherzer deal. He signs with New York for, uh, wait, I have the number right here. Was it? Yeah, two years, $86.66 million, So $43 million a year, um, reigning AL Cy Young. Mets then re-signed Brandon Nimmo, um, which was kind of to be expected if they did end up losing DeGrom. The contract, though, was not expected. Eight years, $162 million. Holy crap. Uh, but then they also signed, I'm hoping I don't butcher his name, Kodai Senga, uh, who was the NBP, you know, free agent um, from out of Japan who had a sensational year last year. But his deal was also surprising. Five years, 75 million, which feels like a huge potential steal. And it also has an opt out of the third year. So for the Mets, they lose to Grom. They don't stop there. You know, they don't. Well, they definitely cried about it and all the hit pieces like you mentioned, but you know, they, in my mind, got better. What are your thoughts on the ground or, or sorry, the, the Mets after losing the ground? It's so annoying. Cause they like, Oh, we just lost the ground. We'll go get the guy that just won the AL Cyan. Like Justin Verlander, when both guys are healthy, isn't as good as Jacob the but it's still Justin Verlander. Like you're adding a first ballot hall of famer who just came off. Um, Cy Young. The Astros are very analytically driven. And the driven. World Series, by the way. And the World Series. Astros are very analytically driven. Those analytics are the reason why Justin Verlander had the resurgence. So are the Mets. So it should work out. That rotation is old. Pretty cool to see Max and Verlander both probably in their careers together in New York. It's old. Will Father Time catch up to both of them? Remains to be seen. Uh, but I love the moves. They got Diaz back as well. They need a pitching. A little risky going out spending 75 mil for an unknown, but if you know transfers over to what he was when he was over in Japan, that is a steal of a deal. Brandon Nimmo had to pay their guy. 162, eight seems surprising, but the most annoying part is for eight more years, I gotta see him sprint the first base after getting a walk. Absolutely hate that. It's so annoying. You're not Pete Rose. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the dumbest bit in baseball. Oh but, my god! You know, it makes I, you so I got mad. I gotta respect a bit. Like you, you know. Look, I I love a bit. I love a bit, <laughs> but that bit annoys me. So stop yeah. it. <laughs> I don't like it. So stop. Yes, <laughs> you're, not, you're not Pete Rose. Just, just that's Leave it alone. <laughs> that's... Uh, oh, overall, I give him a B plus. I'll stay a B plus for now. Mainly because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little salty. Right. 
that they just go out and just get who they want. I'm a, I'm a little salty about that. So that, that brings it down. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll, yeah, I, I'll, I'll stick to a B plus like the Verlander deal. Some people be like, Oh, you know, that's going to be a bad deal, but it's a two year deal for a guy that literally just won a Cy Young, you know, throw age out the window. If you're getting the reigning AL Cy Young pitcher for two years, like, you're probably going to do that right especially after you lost arguably the best pitcher in baseball and his contract ends at the same time max's does so you know in theory they could go get the best starting pitcher on the market next year or in two years because they're going to have 80 almost 90 million dollars coming off not that it matters to them but you know it's set up well nimmo like you said got to get your guy after you lost your your ace and then Sango, like you know taking a, a flyer it's obviously an expensive flyer but taking a flyer on a guy who could be very very good but is an unknown like it's it's, it's a shot worth taking after you know the kind of disappointment they had after such a good regular season um in 2022 so b plus for the mets it, it's hard to argue with any of the moves they made um all right just a you know now super rapid fire like couple of uh remaining deals wilson Contreras leaves the cubs uh replaces yadier molina the retired future hall of famer yadier molina in st louis five years 87 and a half mil thoughts on the deal for both sides yeah you know you lose one really good catcher you get another go and get another one um absolutely annoying as hell hate you uh i get that for a b plus on both sides slight overpay but they had to do what they had to do good deal i'm gonna give it an a um the cardinals you know they seem to have get Goldschmidt for a great deal, reigning NL Sanya, or sorry, uh, MVP. They got Arenado for a good deal. And now, yeah, it might seem like a slight overpay for Contreras, but uh, if you compare it to like Grandal's deal, I think Yasmani Grandal got four years, 73 million. So, you know, you're basically adding on two years and 14 million to Contreras. And I believe Contreras is younger than Grandal was at the time he signed. Um, so, kind of a good deal you know in comparison for the cardinals who could be good again this year and you know he's a, at the very least like a a good catcher or a good um player with experience for a pitching staff that will need it although i, I do think is wainwright coming back or did wainwright retire no he's, he's got he got one more of them Jeez, man that that guy just keeps pitching but good on both sides i'll give it an a um old friend josh bell he gets paid. He, My dog. He signed a two-year, $32 million deal with the Guardians of all time. Cleveland paying up for their guy, which I'm not even joking. It's like the it might be the richest contract, free agent contract given out by Cleveland in terms of AAV, and it's $16 million. <laughs> But like they paid him. So uh, thoughts for Josh Bell getting uh, the bag. Hey, we saw the largest contract that the Rays gave out at like 40 mil. So good for them. Um, yeah. absolutely love the deal. Love Josh. So happy he's going to be with the contender. That is a very good team in a very bad this division. He gets to play with Jose Ramirez. A plus. Love the guy. So happy for him. Love that. I couldn't agree more. I love Josh Bell, and I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, Chris Bassett, Toronto, three years, thirty six million. You know, not bad. Like pitching's expensive. Getting him for only twelve mil AAV pretty good he'll eat innings for them i give it i give it a b yeah i'm about a b as well 
Uh, I don't know what Toronto, I think Toronto honestly needs a manager more than anything, <laughs> um, like positionally, but uh, I'll give it a B for them. Um, Jamison Tyon, Cubs, four years, 68 million. I would have given it a better grade, but I don't really know what the Cubs are doing. Like they came out so aggressive, but then they balked at paying some free agents, which they shouldn't have. So now I'm a little confused at what the hell they're doing. So out of that, I'll give it a B minus. Uh, I'm going to say C plus like it. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry. Uh, I got mixed up with the deals. Uh, I'll give it a B. And this next one, I'll give a C plus. Um, oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, not that paying a pitcher is a bad thing. They signed Stroman last year. They still have Kyle Hendricks. So that rotation could be decent. And especially if you, you know, value eating innings, it's just, it, it's hard to follow the thought process because everyone thought, they were going to get a shortstop, and then it was rumored they were going to get two of the shortstops. Um, and now they're not. Well, I guess they could still sign Dansby, but who knows. Uh, Taiwan Walker, Phillies, four-year, $72 million. I give this one a C because it just seems like there's better or more cost-effective pitching out there. Like, I, I would have valued Bassett at three years, $60 million, or $63 million more than Walker at four-year, $72 million. But, I, I mean, hell, what do I know? Yeah, that – that was a lot for him, but the Phillies the last couple of years have just put a real big emphasis on, like, if they have a pitcher with one or two pitches they like, they know they can tweak it. We saw that with Zach Wheeler. They've done that with a lot of other pitch- pitchers. So I think they think they can recreate some of that magic with the, the lab they got brewing over there. But until I see it, I'll give it a C. Yeah. Um, there are some other ones like, you know, I, I would say that's kind of the, the tear break, but Sean Manaya, two years, 25 million with the giants, Andrew Heaney Rangers, two years, 25 million, Jose Abreu, uh, three years, 58 and a half million from the Astros. That's probably going to end up looking great on the Astros part, but obviously Abreu got paid Mitch Hanniger, three years, 43 and a half million, um, with the giants as well. But the one that's like a plus plus plus. For me, like it, it's you we're gonna be sitting here next year talking about like this guy getting over a hundred million. Noah Syndergaard to the Dodgers. Like, tell me, show me a world where this doesn't work out beautifully for both sides. All I'm saying is if the Dodgers can get him to return to what he used to be, they have the greatest lab in the history of the world. Hey. I uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating. Like, yeah, maybe the, uh, um, you know, the Padres are better than them on paper right now, but it's they're, they're the Dodgers. Like, they were on a historic pace last year, and they're going to call guys up that we've never heard of, heard of that, uh, you know, are going to be all-stars or whatever. So, yeah, free agency is well underway. There's still some big names and big dominoes to fall. Uh, like Rodon, like your Swanson, and who other who else knows what other moves might be made, and hopefully the Nats aren't done either. But we will be back more frequently than we have been. I promise we won't go two months in between episodes anymore. Um, and obviously we're gonna have a lot of content coming out, Nationals related and baseball related as well. Ryan, you got anything before we wrap up and head out? I got nothing. Let's keep the moves coming. Yeah, definitely keep the moves coming. There's still plenty of value to be had, so hopefully the Nets do something about it. 
Uh, but be sure to follow us on Twitter uh, at We Are All Shack for Ryan, myself at The Coach Moose, and the show at Half Street High Heat. Uh, check us out on our website, halfstreethighheat.com. And Amanda, Amanda will be back. She's feeling under the weather. Uh, probably should have mentioned that from the top, but Amanda will be back uh, next week or whenever we record again as well. Uh, the holidays are next week, so might not be back next week, but we will be back shortly and she will return with us. Um, and, you know, always remember this, Nats fans. You're either group one or you're either group two. So be group one. <laughs> That's all for this week. <laughs> all right, guys. Talk to you later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls, so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. See, they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching Are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress That they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's In every book Let's go decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer mail checks invoices documents and everything you need to keep your business running get rates up to 89 percent off usps and ups and with the mobile app you can take care of mailing on the go make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com sign up at stamps.com with code program for a special offer that's stamps.com code program You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.